nearly two decades. The award-winning Your Financial Editor program on 930 WFMD. News from the worlds of business and finance with your financial editor, Chris Murray. Good Saturday to you. Welcome to another edition of Your Financial Editor program right here on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com and as a podcast at iTunes. I am Chris Murray, your host. Thanks so much for being with us today. Hope your weekend's going well. Uh, good program laid out for you today. Very informative. I think you'll find um, we've got some interesting top stories, uh, some economic data of this past week. And joining me, Joe Griffith. He's an attorney who specializes in financial regulations, and we're going to break down the administration's proposal to allow the IRS to track your bank transactions, uh, $600 going into your account or out of your account. This is for every American and just how dangerous that would be. And in a lot of different ways, maybe some that you haven't thought of, and we're going to lay that all out for you. So that's coming up in just a little bit. As far as things going on this week, we saw a real nice deal. Uh, Merck, the pharmaceutical company, is buying Acceleron Pharma for about $15.5 billion. This deal gives Merck access to Acceleron's rare disease drug candidate, uh, Soda Tester, and it is something that the company, that the company expects to be a multi-billion dollar sales opportunity. Uh, it, you know, this uh, this new drug is currently in its late stage study, uh, testing it as a treatment for a rare cardiovascular disease called pulmonary arterial hypertension, uh, a type of blood pressure uh, that affects blood, fe- uh, blood vessels in the lungs. So um, this is something, obviously, that could be good for shareholders and I think more importantly for people that are suffering from PAH, um, you know, if, if they can get some relief from this new drug and it's more effective, that would be fantastic. Merck is targeting a U.S. launch for the drug in 2024, 2025 uh, time period. And um, hopefully it's going to be extremely successful so that uh, people benefit from it that have that uh, that disease. Something else we've been talking about a lot. We warned people um, and uh, and I think uh, obviously the listeners of this program didn't have to be um, warned. You already saw that inflation's real. Inflation is daily and inflation's been here for a while and it's going to be here for a while. And I did see this week that uh, an energy company founder and uh, had done an, uh, an analysis saying that because of we see these oil prices that hit a three week high this week, uh, he was warning Americans to expect to pay more when heating your home this winter. So it's been bad enough in all these other areas. But now, of course, as we get into uh, the late fall and, and winter season where the heat uh, is cranked up, he's saying that basically you could be looking at double the cost of what it was last year. And, of course, if we get a colder than normal winter, you could really see uh, even a, a larger jump. So that's unfortunate, especially for people, as I always say, who live uh, on a fixed income or live uh, paycheck to paycheck. It's already hard now with uh, the pain at the pump when we're filling our cars and trucks. 
Um, it's also painful at the grocery store. I mean, you name it. You know, everything's more expensive right now, pretty much. So uh, that story could get um, even worse. And I, I hate saying that, but it is a, a very high uh, probability. The whole transitory thing that the Fed tried to use was a joke. Um, you know, again, they want to use these fancy words and uh, treat you like you're some kind of a hick. And you don't understand what's going on and you just have to listen to them and everything will be OK. And obviously we know that's not true. And um, like I said, it, inflation is an immediate tax. This isn't something that they're talking about doing. This isn't something that, you know, is going to kick in a couple months down the road or, or in a year or whatever it may be. People are experiencing it every day and they have been. And it costs them a lot of money and people those that are vulnerable have to make some really hard decisions between food and medicine and maybe child care. If you're a single mom, um, those are the people that have it the worst, who supposedly a lot of politicians say they care about the most. And that's, you know, they're so important. And yet they allow this uh, inflation to rage and propose additional spending that's going to create even more of the inflation that we're talking about. So um, really interesting. And here's something that was funny I saw this week. Dollar Tree, you know, the big discount retailer, plans to sell some products at new price points above a dollar at Dollar Tree Plus stores. They've uh, tested additional price points at more than 100 selected legacy locations. Uh, Dollar Tree Plus locations offer an assortment of products at $1, $3, and $5. So, um, you know, what we saw is Dollar Tree and Family Dollar, uh, that deal happened recently, and now they're under combined, they've combined those two brands under one roof. And the CEO of Dollar Tree is saying that for decades, uh, consumers have enjoyed the thrill of the hunt for value at $1. And we remain committed to that core proposition, but many are telling us they also want a broader product assort assortment when they come to shop. And also, we know that a dollar, because of inflation, as we just talked about, isn't going to buy isn't going to um, buy as much as it has in the past. So they come up with this plus thing that they've been testing since inflation, especially started rearing its ugly head. Um, Come on. I mean, I thought we could go to the dollar store, get everything for a dollar. That's the whole point. That's the fun of going into a dollar store. Right? So, I mean, that's what we do before we go to the movies. We go and get all of our candy at a dollar instead of $6 for a box of candy or $8 or whatever it is. So that's the fun of the dollar store. Cards? Come on. Nothing better than a $1 birthday card. Or a $1 anniversary card. My wife and I do it to each other all the time, and it's great. So if you're going to take that fun away and make it three or five bucks, eh, then I'm going to start looking and say, well, wait a minute. It's bad enough that I'm in this dollar store um, buying all of China's junk, but now you want me to pay over a dollar for it? Eh, that's not going to happen. That's where it gets sketchy, and we have to draw the line, right? We have to have some pride and say... We're not going to pay more than a dollar if it's a dollar store, even though you add the word plus to the end of the title on some of them. A survey released uh, 
at the beginning of the week by the National Association for Business um, Economics showed that its members expect the economy to grow 5.6% this year, down sharply from the previous estimate of 6.5%. That's a big drop. So the president-elect of the NABE said that their survey panelists have moderated their expectations about the prospects for economic growth in 2021 from where they were back in May. The economists are increasingly becoming more pessimistic about the growth outlook. More than half of the respondents, 58 percent actually, said risks to the economy are skewed to the downside compared to just 15 percent of those economists feeling that way back in May. So um, and it's not just the NABE. There's a lot of people that are saying, wait a minute, uh, this economy, even though it's on a massive sugar high, um, is is having problems. Uh, we also heard from the Federal Reserve chairman this week, uh, Jerome Powell. He said on Wednesday that resolving, quote, tension, unquote, between high inflation and still elevated unemployment is the most urgent issue facing the Federal Reserve right now. So he was basically acknowledging that the Federal Reserve's two main goals are in conflict. So in case you didn't know, the Fed has two direct mandates, price stability, i.e. no inflation or normal inflation, which we don't have right now, and full employment. So what can they do with interest rates and monetary policy to help in areas that would support employment so that as many people as possible are at work and working hard, just like we saw before the virus, 50-year lows. Didn't matter if you're a man or a woman, if you're black, white, Asian, Hispanic, didn't matter. If you dropped out of high school or if you had a Ph.D., All of those numbers were phenomenal for blacks in particular, all time record numbers. Um, So that's what the Fed's supposed to be doing. Well, now they realize that people aren't going back to work. And um, I mean, everybody you talk to, literally, or at least that I do, they can't uh, people that own businesses. They can't find people to to fill the positions. People don't show up for interviews when they do. They try to demand some crazy amount of money. Um, so the Fed's got to got to worry about that. And then, of course, inflation's running. So they're supposed to be, which, which they talked about a little bit this week, the tapering they call. Again, that's a fancy word for, hey, we're going to cut back um, on all of the billions of dollars we're spending every month to support the economy and the financial markets. So, uh, you know, but anyway, tapering is what they say. So, um, you, you know, they they really need to to get to work and and start making some good decisions, which, by the way, would be hard decisions. But yeah, that's what you need to do if you want to control inflation. I don't know what you do to get people off the couch. I mean, we've got millions and millions of job openings out there that uh, are still not filled that were filled before the virus came. Like I said, it was organic growth. Oh, my gosh. It was, as much as I hate that word, it was so good 
lower taxes, less regulation. Um, you know, businesses were spending money and hiring people and expanding and people were getting raises. Um, the wages were going up. I mean, and it was all, it was natural. It wasn't because of, hey, let me give you a stimulus check. Hey, let me pay, you know, this organization a certain amount of money to um, build whatever, you know, a battery or whatever it might be. It was just the economy was rolling in the form we hadn't seen for many, many years. And now, you know, it's even though, like I said, it's on a sugar high or cocaine high or whatever you want to call it, um, it's it's sputtering and starting to sputter. So and they want to spend more. Just it's unbelievable. Um, which, by the way, you know, I wanted to share something with you today because I don't think I have. So um, the first presidency that I really got involved with was uh, Ronald Reagan when I was in high school. And I just love him. I can't say enough good about him. I mean, I know he wasn't a perfect person or he was a flawed human, just like the rest of us. But. What he did, what he said, um, his actions in particular, I'm not only about, you know, like I don't look at a, per, a politician in particular and I'm in awe because of a speech they give. I look at what they actually do and um, what they don't do, that kind of thing, you know, results. But Ronald Reagan, and I have to admit, the other day I was watching uh, the current administration on TV try to give a speech or read one, and it was sickening. Um, this was back when things fell fell out with uh, Afghanistan, and unfortunately, um, lives were lost and people were hurt, um, families, you know, impacted. And I just, it was such baloney that I started flipping through the channels, and I ended up on C-SPAN 3. Well, lo and behold, there's President Ronald Reagan giving a speech on the economy um, not at the uh, the the White House podium. I don't, I'm not sure where he was um, taking questions from all of the, uh, the the press that was there. Quietly, calmly calling on people, answering all of their questions in detail. But one of the things he said um, reminded me to look up one of his famous uh, quotes or stories, if you will. So back in 1981. Um, a trillion dollars, when they started talking about a trillion dollars, just like today, we can't get our our minds around what a trillion dollars is. So I'll share this with you because he I thought it was great how he did it. If you take a $1,000 bill, okay, a, a $1,000 bill, and you put a stack of those in the palm of your hand, on top of each other, once you get to four inches, you're a millionaire. Just four inches of $1,000 bills, and you're a millionaire. Now, to put that into perspective, a trillion dollars is that same $1,000 bill on top of each other for 63 miles. So for I know we have a lot of uh, out of area, out of state listeners, and thank you all so much for 
being part of the program. I love it. But I'll use where we're based in Frederick. That means you could stack back-to-back $1,000 bills from here, Frederick, all the way up north on 15, just shy of Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. All the way up 15 through Gettysburg, Dillsburg, all, everywhere, all the way up there. 63 miles of $1,000 bills stacked back to back. That's a trillion dollars. I mean, I know it doesn't make it a whole lot easier, but at least we know in our mind's eye what it looks like if it's laid out. So you consider what our debt is right now. You consider about what they want to additionally spend, which most of it's garbage. Most of it's not really infrastructure. As badly as we need our roads, bridges, tunnels, water plants, sewer systems, Jersey wall. I mean, whatever, you know, guardrails, whatever, all of that honest to goodness need to either be fixed or replaced that's there. Instead, they want to use that as an example to, to be wasteful and, to, and to, to gain more power and more more wealth for themselves. A perfect example on all this stuff going on, like climate change, which is a joke. Uh, I mean, the climate always changes. It always has. It always will. Um, and even the Obama administration's top scientists said that, yeah, I mean, of course, the climate's changing, but the politicians in the media are running the wrong way with this scaring. You know, it's just a it's a power grab, period. And so many people are buying into it. And that's why they're trying so hard to force the issue as to and suppress information that counters what they think. But anyway. Something that happened and it's been happening recently, widening power shortages in China have halted production at numerous uh, factories, including many that supply U.S. Uh, companies. I'm talking about like Apple and, and others. So China is in the grip of a power crunch as they have a shortage of what? Coal. So they've got strong demand from manufacturers, uh, manufacturers and industry. And that's pushed coal prices to record highs, and it's also triggered widespread curbs on usage. So now they're rationing um, their electricity, especially in northeastern China. But I said coal. So China's all about, yeah, you know, climate change. Let's get on board. Let's. This is so important. Okay, you stupid people in the United States and Europe, you go first. And you sign that pledge and you implement all of the costly and unproven uh, processes. And what are we going to do over here in China? They're going to keep using coal. I mean, China and India are the two probably biggest polluters in the entire world. So I'm sure that once China signs that climate change pledge and those rules, they're going to stick by them. Don't you think? I mean, I I believe them. If they say that's what they're going to do, that's what they're going to do. And I know that they didn't interfere with any of our elections. And I know they don't 
steal our intellectual property. And I know they don't let people inside of China um, knowingly hack our institutions, which, by the way, that's coming up when we talk with uh, my guests in just a little bit about that new proposal from the administration on um, on the 600 bucks a month. Um, okay, quick break. Uh, our latest uh, complimentary takeaway for you at Murray Financial Group is inflation and your retirement. Are you prepared for rising costs? You better because they're here. And, and you know, the whole transitory thing. Well, now they're starting to say, you know, I think it's going to be around a little longer than what we anticipated. Duh. We were saying that months ago. Well, and they knew that. Why didn't they just come out and say it? No, they want to use the word transitory so they can keep you at bay for a while and and um, and not pay attention to what they're doing or not doing, I should say, about inflation as well as the border and what happened in Afghanistan. It's just a mess. Back in a minute. Back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And as a podcast, just go to iTunes and um, you can uh, listen to the program, uh, re-listen to it, share it with someone you think might benefit from it or enjoy it. Um, quite a bit of economic data this week. Uh, actually, a truckload. We'll just uh, kind of touch on some of the Main pieces I saw that I wanted to share with you. One was good. Order uh, Orders for big ticket items jumped last month. Uh, I should say August now that we're in October. Um, so new, new orders for manufactured durable goods in August rose 1.8%, $263.5 billion, um, according to the Census Bureau. Analysts surveyed were only looking for a seven-tenths of 1% increase. So obviously a big beat there. Uh, orders have now increased in 15 of the last 16 months. Um, you know, one of the problems that we're having is with uh, the logistics of our distribution um, chain, if you will. We've got these big uh, uh, ships with the sea containers that are full that are just sitting out in the water because they don't have... Uh, the manpower at the docks to get them unloaded, etc. Don't have the truckers to drive them where they need to go once those containers are offloaded. But we did see a big demand for those durable goods, uh, which, by the way, those are uh, items that are built to last three years or longer. So you think of a washing machine, a toaster, um, dishwasher, etc. Um we also saw a, a, a one housing report. Now, it's a lagging report. We're talking about back in July. But we saw that U.S. home prices rose at a record pace for the fourth straight month in July as strong demand overwhelmed the low inventory that was out there. Home prices were up 19.7% year over year, according to the uh, national S&P Case-Shiller Home Price Index. And when you look at where home prices are now, 
compared with where they were at the peak in 2006 before the housing bubble, prices are now 43.7% higher. That's a big, big jump. Uh, the record price gains came as total housing inventory in July jumped 7.3% month over month, according to the National Association of Realtors. Still, supply was about 12% below its prior year levels, but we'll take it. Any improvement we get in inventory is good, no, no matter how you uh, you slice it up. And according to the managing director and global head of uh, the S&P investment strategy uh, uh, index, he said that the level or the last several months have been extraordinarily uh, extraordinary, not only in the level of price gains, but in the consistency of gains across the country. So um, this S&P case Schiller looks at the 20 biggest uh, metropolitan housing areas. So we saw prices rise in all 20 cities with Phoenix up 32%, San Diego up over 27%, Seattle up over 25%. Every city but Chicago saw record highs. Um, so uh, they were actually a little lower than where they were in 2006. That is not good. If you live in Chicago, gosh, what a mess it is there. Lawlessness and, um, you know, the the tolerating of the loss of life, especially the children. Um, crazy. And also another piece came out this week, uh, the housing market showing, again, little signs of slowing down at the end of the summer. Pending home sales, uh, which is a leading indicator of the health of the housing market, rose in August reversing two straight months of declines. According to the National Association of Realtors, the pending home sales index, which tracks the number of homes that are under contract to be sold, rose 8.1% in August. That's a seven-month high um, and a nice jump from the previous month. And that 8.1% just blew away what was expected uh, from analysts that were uh, surveyed by Bloomberg. And it really didn't matter where you look. I mean, the more moderately priced regions of the South and the Midwest are experiencing stronger signing of contracts to buy, which is not a, you know, again, not a surprise. But in the South and Midwest, pending home sales respectively were up 8.6% and 10.4% in August, while sales increased 4.6% in the Northeast and 7.2% out West. So just a solid report there. Uh, unfortunately, U.S. consumer confidence fell to a seven-month low in September. The survey from the conference board on Tuesday showed consumers less interested in buying a home and big-ticket items um, over the next six months. So, you know, people, again, are getting worried about the lack of leadership, inflation, um, what's going on with the border, what's going on with foreign policy, uh, and, of course, the Delta variant, things like that. And it's showing up, uh, or it did show up, in that conference board uh, consumer confidence report. Also, which what wasn't good that we saw at the end of the week, uh, the number of U.S. workers who filed for unemployment rose above expectations, uh, hitting the highest level in over a month. 362,000 people 
first time filers, by the way, for unemployment um, clocked in last week, according to the Labor Department. That was much, much higher than what uh, the consensus uh, forecast was. And um, it's the wrong direction. So uh, I don't know what it is. You've got, like I spoke about earlier, millions and millions of um, job openings. And we're just not we're not seeing it. So it's uh, it's really a shame. Um, again, go to murrayfinancialgroup.com to get the latest complimentary uh, white paper, inflation and your retirement. Are you prepared for rising costs, which we know you better be because it's here, has been for a while, these higher costs. Um, and right after the break, oh, go to murrayfinancialgroup.com. It's right on the homepage. You just click on uh, um, download and you'll get it to your email right away. And I hope you enjoy it. And uh, right after the break, we'll be talking with my guest, Mr. Joel Griffith. He is uh, an attorney who specializes in financial regulations. And we're going to be talking about this massive overreach that's uh, that's in this $3.5 trillion uh, spending boondoggle where um, the IRS is going to know whether $600 comes into your bank account or goes out of your bank account. Pretty scary stuff. It's your financial editor with Chris Murray on 930 WFMD. Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com and as a podcast on iTunes. Uh, thanks so much for joining us today and uh, really appreciate you being part of the program. As I mentioned right before the break, very uh, interesting and timely uh, subject that we were going to be diving into today. Uh, joining me, my guest, Mr. Joel Griffith. He earned his Juris Doctorate. Uh, at the Chapman University Dale E. Fowler School of Law with a dual emphasis in alternative dispute resolution and federal income taxation. And um, he currently is a research fellow for the Institute for Economic Freedom and Opportunity. And, um, you know, one of the things that we were talking about uh, quite a bit um, the, the last month or so, uh, this week really heated up is this uh, ridiculous three, my word, uh, my view, ridiculous $3.5 trillion uh, spending boondoggle um, that Congress is wrestling with now like an angry alligator. And um, one of the things in there is uh, a proposal to allow the IRS to know what you, each one of you out there listening, um, what's going on in your bank accounts uh when it comes to a $600 or more transaction where the banks have to report that to the IRS. So we're going to talk about that today uh, as I welcome in our guest, Mr. Joel Griffith. Good morning, Joel. How are you? 
Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for taking time out of your schedule to uh, to join us and to give us some good, solid information. So um, one of the things, if you would, just take uh, g- give us, a you know, the 30,000 feet view of this three point five trillion dollar spending uh, proposal. And then we'll dive into the IRS part of it in a little more detail. Yeah, sure. Well, you know, on, on this on this three and a half trillion dollar spending proposal, which uh, which actually is underestimating the true impact of this, because what it does is it estimates that some of these programs will expire after seven years or eight years because they're trying to keep this price tag smaller. But we know that once you do government programs, it whether it's Republicans or Democrats, it's hard to curtail it. But it's hard to get our mind around how big of a number this is. So. Uh, well, something that's helpful to look at what's being spent this year in the federal budget already approved and combine it with the part of that spending bill that will also be spent in the next year. And if you add that together, you get $9 trillion just for the next 12 months. And that's $100,000 per family of four. And think about that, $100,000 of federal government spending in one year per family of four. And uh, the big picture of this is that every dollar that D.C. dictates to be spent, well, that's that's more um, that's less control that we have as a free people over how we allocate our economic resources. And the closer you get to the federal government deciding 100 percent of the decision making, the closer you get to socialism and even communism. And this is putting us in that direction because the spending proposal will further nationalize health care, education, and transportation. Um, so this is dangerous. This is moving very much down the road to realizing the left-wing vision of transforming our country from a free market enterprise system to basically a government-run, state-owned enterprise system. Yeah, again, and, and this isn't hype where, you know, people are trying to get other people um, scared or uh, lead them astray, saying that it could lead to and will lead to, in my mind, uh, socialism and communism, etc. Um, this is I mean, it's in the numbers. It's in the the, the bill, uh, the proposal, even though nobody that I've listened to said that they've actually read it because it's a couple thousand pages long and who knows well some of this crazy stuff's already been vetted out but who knows what else is in there that we haven't been told about uh well if you look at just the energy component which is uh, nearly one trillion dollars that would be spent to revolutionize our energy system well what does that look like well this is very anti-car number one it's very uh, opposed to us being able to use our abundant, affordable fuel sources, such as natural gas, that have allowed us actually for many for, for, to become energy independent. It's allowed us to see our energy costs decline, and actually it's helped us reduce our carbon emissions. Well, this plan would move us further away from those energy sources and would model us much closer to parts of Europe where energy costs can be twice as high. And I tell friends here in the United States, you want to see what implementing that energy component of this package will do. Well, look at California. Talk to friends in California. I used to live out there. They're spending up to six bucks a gallon nearly to fill up their cars. They're spending almost twice as much to heat and cool their homes. And of course, if you're in the manufacturing business, 
you have to have affordable electricity to be competitive in today's marketplace, and it costs you nearly twice as much to power your machinery. That's what we have to look forward to here. Uh, it's going to be tougher to see our economy grow, and it's going to result in families spending a lot more money on um, on energy, which we use to power every aspect of our lives. It's a hidden tax increase. Yeah, and it's an immediate uh, increase, like you said, when we talk. I was talking earlier in the program, first half of it about, um, you know, inflation and how that's an immediate uh, tax. It isn't something that, okay, that's going to come, you know, four months down the road or a year from now, I can brace for it and prepare for it. It's real time. So like you said, people uh, dealing with energy costs and filling up their cars and trucks and SUVs and also uh, just strolling down any uh, grocery aisle now, along with pretty much everything else, um, that cost is uh, is immediate. And as I always like to remind people, it hurts the most vulnerable. It hurts people that are on fixed incomes. It hurts people that are living paycheck to paycheck. It hurts the single mom out there who has to make difficult decisions when it comes to food and medicine, child care, et cetera. And yet this uh, all this nonsense being proposed is from the party that says they're the people they care the most about. No, that, that's so right. I think we are really um, people are starting to realize that government action has consequences because you can't deny the fact. It shows up in the numbers. It also shows up in every grocery bill um, that we experience or any time you really buy anything now. People are noticing, number one, prices are dramatically higher. Uh, number two, there's, there's actually less supply. And this has been a continued public for a year and a half. And it's a combination of many things. A lot of this, of course, has been government COVID policies and shutdown policies and social distancing restrictions that have made it much more difficult to ship items, to produce items, to run warehouses. Um, and then, of course, you have government that has been involved paying people not to work. Uh, and in addition to that, a lot of money printing, a lot of putting additional money into the economy. And that's really starting to hike prices. You know, everybody liked getting those stimulus checks deposited in their checking account. But I think we're starting to realize that those types of government actions that they claim are to your benefit, well, it actually has longer-term negative consequences. And for those that are experiencing rising prices, if you have inflation going up 5 and 6% and your income is only increasing 2 and 3%, that means you, your standard of living is actually going down. And that's another side effect of this huge spending bill um, you know, they're not going to be able to just tax their way to pay for this. This is going to involve the government borrowing a lot more money. It's going to involve the Federal Reserve likely having to print more money to buy that government debt, and that will result in a risk of even higher prices. Yeah, exactly, and I think, unfortunately, that's what uh, you know uh, is going to happen. Uh, the only silver lining I've seen so far is that in polling, which I hate polling, I think a lot of it's uh, not reliable. But if I were to believe it, is that people are becoming more upset and more concerned, and more focused on the inflation. And that's the good part of that is they're becoming more engaged in what policies are being talked about, kind of like we're doing this morning. So we're going to squeeze in a quick break. When we come back on the other side, uh, we'll continue our conversation with my guest, Mr. Joel Griffith. And we're going to talk about the Biden's proposal in that piece of legislation, that $3.5 trillion, that allows the IRS to track your bank accounts. I mean, this is scary.
Welcome back. Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And as a podcast, just go to iTunes and you can re-listen to this program, past programs, um, share them too. You know, if you think someone can uh, benefit, uh, gain a little bit of knowledge, truth, facts, share it. That's what we need a lot more of uh, these days for sure. So I appreciate everybody being part of the program. And um, we're uh, going to finish up this part of the program with my guest, Mr. Joel Griffith. He earned his Juris Doctor at the Chapman University uh, Dale E. Fowler School of Law uh, with a dual emphasis in alternative dispute resolution and federal income tax. He uh, is currently a member, a member, excuse me, of the State Bar of California. And um, he is also a research fellow for the Institute for Economic Freedom and Opportunity at the Heritage Foundation. Um, so, Joel, um, you know, again, give us the uh, the nuts and bolts of this uh, proposal that's going to allow the administration to track our bank accounts and for the IRS to, to have all that information. Um, yeah, so this is a... Uh, uh, <laughs> Uh, a proposal uh, that would require banks, financial institutions, uh, to report on financial data of all accounts over $600. Now, this would have to be passed by Congress. It would definitely be a big intrusion into our basic privacy to have the IRS um, having access, um, maybe not to exactly to where that money is coming from and where it's going, but they would know how much money is flowing in, how much is flowing out, what those transaction amounts are, uh, this would be unprecedented. Of course, we want people to pay the taxes they owe. We don't want any, you know, this idea, you know, people do cheat on their taxes, and we need to enforce the law. But to have the IRS, in effect, snooping on the account of tens of millions of Americans, uh, that is a basic invasion of privacy. Uh, and it's, it's a trouble. It's not like Congress is even considering such a thing. But on top of the privacy issues, this would be uh, a, 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 an intense compliance requirement for banks to have to do uh, reporting on tens of millions of accounts to the IRS. And for most of us that enjoy free or low-cost checking or that enjoy the basic services that our banks offer us to, to really to no cost or low cost, well, this is going to result in additional compliance costs, and there's no such thing as a free lunch. That's going to mean that you as a consumer are going to have to pay for that one way or the other, either through lower interest rates that are already quite low, lower interest rates on your savings, or fewer of those uh, services that, for now, we take for granted and don't have to pay for. Yeah, and, and again, I, the IRS doesn't have a very good reputation um, I, I mean, you know, they've they've had egg on their face um, not too long ago. Uh, there were reports that were validated by uh, outside investigations of targeting certain groups. And, um, you know, you've got these these breaches when it comes to their technology with hacking. I mean, so even more of our information would be made available to the bad guys. Oh, yeah, to be, to be relying on the IRS to do this fairly and to not actually look into more granular detail on this information, well, I don't think we should give them that kind of trust. You know, just a few years ago, 2016, the Government Accountability Office, and that's not some partisan group, that's an actual 
government agency. They said the IRS has been selecting individuals and small businesses for audits based on organizations' religious, educational, political views. And this is the same entity now that we want to give access to all of our individual checking accounts. Uh, now, this is a, a very uh, bad idea, and it's sad that the freest country on earth is even considering such a proposal. Yeah, and, and again, this is what we basically would be paying for this as a taxpayer because in this uh, stupid spending bill, this $3.5 trillion, I think I saw it was $78 billion of it would be going to the IRS to become even, uh, you know, a bigger animal uh, uh, to, to be able to enforce this stuff. Oh, yeah, and that $78 billion you mentioned, just to give you an idea of how big that is, that's about uh, five or six times the current annual IRS enforcement budget. It's a lot of money, and you know, the people that are going to be going after this is going to be a, bit, a lot of small and mid-sized business owners. And even if you're paying your taxes properly, when you have an audit that comes after you, talk to a business owner that's been through one. Uh, it is a nightmare, both in the terms of time and attention that's diverted from growing your business and actually employing people, but you're talking tens or even hundreds of thousands of dollars of legal fees and accounting fees just trying to prove that you've already done what you should have done in paying your taxes. They're going to be harassing small business owners. What we should be doing is really lowering taxes on businesses making it easier for businesses to comply with this ridiculously complex tax code. And to make matters even worse, in addition to this enforcement mechanism, the Biden administration, the leftists in Congress, they're trying to raise taxes on businesses to a level higher than communist China. Unbelievable. I mean, again, I know it's a cliche, but you can't make this stuff up and you can't fix stupid, (laughs) but it's a... it's it's really, um, you know, I'm glad that you took the time out of your schedule to join us to, you know, again, open our eyes, educate us, help us to realize in pretty simple terms what's going on and what we don't want to happen. So my guest this morning, Mr. Joel Griffith, uh, was kind enough to join us. Joel, I hope you have a great weekend. Thank you. You too. Okay, thanks. And uh, that does it for us. We're pretty much up against the... Uh, uh, the clock here to uh, to end things. Just want to remind you uh, that you can go to murrayfinancialgroup.com, get the latest complimentary white paper, Inflation and Your Retirement. Are you prepared for rising costs? We've been talking a, a lot about it, and I'm proud to say a lot sooner and more seriously than uh, a lot of other uh, folks out there. I don't say that to boast because I don't deserve it, but it's I, I love it when we talk about things um, and, and, and bring them to light ahead of time so people don't get sucked into that black hole of baloney from uh, from the media about what's really going on because there's just not truth to it. Um, Again, go to murrayfinancialgroup.com, get inflation in your retirement, complimentary white paper. Are you prepared for rising costs? I will talk to you next week on the Morning News Express with Bob Miller and Ryan Hedrick. Live calls, business updates at 550, 650, 7.50 a.m. Uh, uh, each weekday morning. Hope you have a great rest of the weekend. This is Chris Murray wishing you and your family financial success.